Hello, everybody. Hope we're doing all right. That is four people. I hope we're doing okay. Yeah, there you go. Sounds a little better. Wherever you're joining us from, thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out. Um, I heard we had a little campus rivalry, campus rivalry. Um, on yesterday at about 2 o'clock, I heard a couple of our campus uh, pastors weren't talking to each other. Uh, they were fighting a little bit, and uh, a couple of the campuses got into some skirmish as uh, Louisville High School played Prosper uh, High School. All right. Louisville came in there as the favorites, and they left um, being defeated. Um, it's all right. Um, and so we're just going to ask God to mend the relationships. And um, that his Holy Spirit will prevail. Uh, and by the way, um, McKinney, they played in your stadium. Why y'all ain't in there? They played in your stadium, McKinney. Alan, y'all used to be the superstars. What's wrong? Come on, Alan. Come on now. Plano, I haven't heard your name in a minute. Um... <laughs> uh, come on. Um... High school football is everything around here. Uh, come on, let's hear it for all the campuses and everybody that competed well. Well done, Prosper. Celebrate yourself, Prosper. Well done. Good, well, hard won game. The score looked better than the game was. Louisville, if you, if you went to the game, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Louisville scored late. That's why it was like 24 to like 13 or 14. So uh, praise God. Uh, Prosper, uh, well done. Represent us well. Uh, McKinney, don't let him use your stadium. Be in the game next time. Um, um, Alan, you used to be great, but we're not living in yesterday. Come with it, Alan. Come with it in the name of Jesus. And then Plano for real. Import some players. <laughs> hey, let me get to my assignment. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't you love high school football? I'm telling you, it's great. You just need to go sometimes. All right, let's pray. Uh, <clears throat> four people left already. Uh, um, I'm playing around too much. <laughs> uh, Father, thanks for laughter. Thanks for high school. Uh, thanks for these kids that are giving it their all on the field. Um, Father, I pray that you'll help them not only to give their all on the, the field of football, but help them to give their all for the glory of God as well. I pray for all of those kids. If they don't know you, um, I pray that sovereignly you will allow them to come to have a personal relationship with you. Thank you for all the campuses at our church and how hard they're working in schools to make sure that these kids get to know Jesus and have a personal relationship with him. Now, God, we know that it is better to model it than to tell it. So I pray for all the adults at all our campuses that you will help us to model a relationship with Jesus Christ so that these kids will, will be curious about the relationship we have with you and not just hear it from somebody else, but that they'll observe it, get a front row seat as we live out this Christian life for the glory of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, we're in a series, if you're just joining us, we're in a series um, the series is called Uncertainty. Uh, we're wrestling with what do you do in those uncertain 
times. We're trying to help everybody come up with a, a game plan of what to do when you're going through transition. That transition might be um, a work transition. It might be a transition of seasons from one season to the other. And the way we come up with our series around here is we look at where the devil seems to be creating darkness, and then we shine the light of God's word on that particular area. Since last year, four million people left their jobs one month, four million left their jobs and uh, started a new venture, then we thought it would be appropriate for us to wrestle with this issue of transitions. How do you deal with them? What does the Bible have to say about it? And how do we handle this period of uncertainty? Uh, a principle in the Bible that, um, that's often overlooked and that people in my role, in my position, often um, um, handle with not a lot of care is this. The principle simply says this. It says that for the most part, pastors, teachers have a tendency of, of preaching the promise, but not the process. We love to teach what the end of the story looks like. We love to teach the mountaintop. But very few times do we live in the valley. The problem with that is most of life is lived in the valley. We have mountaintop experiences, but that's what they are. An experience at the top of the mountain, but for the most part, most of us are either in the valley or we're on the way up the mountain or we're coming down from the mountain. But the mountaintop experience are, are momentarily, you, you don't stay there forever. But yet still, because we want you to shout and because we want you to scream and holler and lay out, then, then we preach the promise. And what it actually ends up doing to us is it makes us mad at God when your reality ain't the promise every day. It's the reason why we've got to show people and we've got to live there and we've got to model how to live in the valley. Because that's normal for most people. We're hanging out in the valley. And so in this series, um, we've been going through, through four different rooms that when you're in transition, when you're going through uncertainty, you've got to live there and you've got to process each room. And so whenever in the future you go through a transition or if you're going through it now, what we're trying to help you to understand is that the first room you're going to go into is the waiting room. The waiting room simply says, God, why do you have me here and not in my next? What's my next thing? Get me to my next thing. The second room you're going to go into is the finishing room, where you got to know how to finish well before you enter the next season. And then today, we're going to talk about the examination room. This ain't a fun room. It's the room where you're going to get cut. It ain't a, it ain't a celebration room. It ain't a get the organ and let's do a dance room. It's a room where you feel some pain. And so if you don't go through this room, here's the problem, then you're going to take it to, listen, don't miss this, then you're going to take it to your next season, and then in your next season, you're going to have to deal with the pain that you ran away from in your previous season. And so in, a, in the story today that we're going to tell in a moment, you're going to see a young man, but you're going to see him at his mountaintop. 
And I'm going to start there because that's where everybody want to be. And everybody want the mountaintop. The problem is, to get to the mountaintop, you got to go through a valley. And so we're going to walk through what it looks like when God takes you into his exam room, he puts you on the bed, and then he goes to cutting. Now, he's not trying to hurt you. He's actually trying to help you. He's actually trying to heal you of something that you can't even see. Ah, you see, because if you go into a good exam room, you're going to find out that there's some stuff you cannot see with the regular eye. There's some stuff on the inside that you can't see. And so everything looks okay on the outside. But God has to set you up so you know that there's something, there's something under here that you, I can't see it either, by the way, but there's something under here that you can't see and I can see, can't see, but God can see it. And he says, everything looks good now, but I'm not concerned about now. I'm concerned about the totality of your health. So if I'm going to do you justice, then I got to take this out because even though you don't feel no pain now, pain is coming along the way. Even though you're not breaking out in a fever right now, even though you can stand, you can jog, you can run right now, there is coming a moment in the future. If I don't deal with this, that you won't be able to stand up erect. Therefore, he has to, here's the phrase, make you lie down. The psalmist said it. He makes me lie down. The good news is that your God loves you so much, he makes you lie down in green pastures. He could let you lie down in the desert. But he's a good God, even when he's doing surgery on you. He makes you lie down in an environment that's conducive to growth. Oh yeah, you ought to give God some praise right there for being gracious to you, even when he's cutting you. But before we get there, before we get there, let's get to the text and see what the Lord has to say to us. So wherever you are, whatever campus you are, why don't you stand up and, uh, and let's read the word of the Lord and see where my boy Joseph is. Here we go. Uh, here's what the word of the Lord says to us today. Watch it now. This is where he always wanted to go. This is where God had in mind for him to be. Read it with me, please, everybody. Now the seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Here we go. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom a divine spirit is a divine spirit? Next one. So said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. My, my, my. Next verse. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall be in, in Only in the throne. I would be great. You over everybody. You run the show. You're in full control. What you say, everybody else do. This is where we get the organ out, and this is where we do our dance. 
And this is where he said, I've been knowing this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> this is where you say, look at me now. This is where you say, won't he do it? Yes, he will. <laughs> this is where you say, look at my God. This is where you say, look at me. This is where you are celebrating like nobody's business. Now, everybody want to be here. But was there a process to get here? You ain't talking about the pit that you had to stay in. You ain't talking about being falsely accused where you don't get to defend yourself. You ain't talking about going in a dungeon. You're not talking about when you thought God was going to take you out and then he let you stay two more years. You ain't talking about that. You just want to talk about, look at me now. You run things. Things don't run you. And you prancing around like you brought yourself up. You prancing around like you did this all by yourself. This is where we live in. This is where pastors, we, 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 we love to preach. Won't he do it? Hey. Next verse. What's the next verse? Come here. What's the next verse? What's the next verse? Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you. Anything you want, you got to come through me. And don't get on my last nerve. This is where, listen, if you don't deal with your foolishness, you're going to look at your brothers. And you're going to say, didn't I tell you? <laughs> you're going to look at your brothers and say, you know what? I should let all of y'all die. Be careful because some of you, when you get the position, you're going to look back at some of the people who didn't believe in you. You're going to look back at some of those people that, that you knew. They, they, they tried everything to not make you get this job. And if you're not careful, you're going to use power inappropriately. So God has to remind you early. Before you get there, let me get it out of you now. So you know when you get there, it had nothing to do with you. You're going to realize that the same God who put you in the pit is the same God that brought you to number two in the land. Hold on. And the same God that brought you to number two can put you back in the pit. So if you don't learn from the exam room, then your season as number two might be short-lived. Look at your neighbor and say, be careful. Look at the other one and say, he brought you up here. Look at the first one again and say, he can take you down. Lord have mercy. No, no, lastly, 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 look at yourself. No, and say, self, God did it all. No, 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 you're not convinced yet. Look at yourself one more time. I said, self, no, for real, self, self, self. God did it all. Come on now, give God a round of applause. You may be seated. Lord have mercy. 
So we're going to the exam room today, everybody. And in the exam room, we're going to hang out and we're going to get some heart checks. God's going to lay you out. He's going to test you out. I got all the instruments here for you today. And he's going to go to work on your heart and on my heart. Why? Because he's suggesting that we got some work to do. And if he does not do it, it will be cancerous. Spiritual cancer. And it will take you out from where he's trying to let you go. In light of that, he says, every time I take you to the exam room, I need you to know some things. Number one, I need you to know, there are only five reasons I'm going to give you an exam. There are these five. There are no more. There, whenever you have a trial, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 calls it, it's a trial. James chapter 1 says, I want you to count it all joy when you go through tests or trials. Then he says, because I'm doing it for good reason, because ultimately I want you to be mature. The reason I'm allowing you to go through what I allow you to go through is because I want to give you perseverance and I want to mature you. That's the reason why. So I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. Now, the same word used for trial is the same word used for temptation. The devil now says, the devil now says, God's trying to uh, try you to mature you. The devil is trying to tempt you so you can doubt God. God says, I want to grow you. The word for perfect, lacking in nothing, the idea behind it is, is that's like a, an oak tree. You started out as an acorn. He's trying to make you into an oak tree so you lack nothing. The idea from the devil, on the other hand, is he's trying to get you to doubt God so that you blame God instead of trust God. Five reasons. These are not in your notes. Five reasons that you're going to go through any trial you go through. Here's what God has in mind. Your assignment then is to discern which one of these five does God have in mind and which one he's trying to get me to embrace. What is he trying to get me to embrace as he has me on the examination table? Number one, don't you, they're not in your notes, write them down separately and you need them. Listen, listen to me. Here's why you need to write these down. Because instead of blaming God, just understand what he's doing. So then write all five of them down so you can coach somebody else, you can help somebody. Hey, which one of these you think God might be trying to address in your life? Number one, he says, trials are used to get our attention. God says, there are times when I've been trying to get your attention, but you don't want to give it to me. So now I've got to allow something in your life to, to, to wake you up so you know that this is a big deal. God says, I'm trying to get your attention. <coughs> Excuse me. The enemy says, I am trying to get you to not be attentive to God while God's trying to get you to be attentive to him. First one, first reason of five, first purposes of five that God allows trials. Number two. Second reason is trials are used to um, get a sin into your life. God wants to use them to get a sin in your life. In other words, there's a sin issue in your life. And he's trying to get you to deal with it. But you don't want to deal with it. And you blaming everybody else, talking about everybody else doing it, and God ain't turning their heat up. Why he messing with me? The devil is going to tell you, since everybody do it, it's not that bad. God's going to tell you, yeah, but I've called you for a different reason. So everybody can do it. Don't worry about them. Worry about your own life. And so he says, I want to get your attention about this particular sin issue in your life that you're dealing with. Number three reason he allows trials in our life is he's trying to get us to surrender. 
In other words, your hand is on something that he doesn't want your hand on. And he's trying to tell you, let go of that thing. I can't, no, he says, I can't, I can get it, but you don't want me to get it with your hands on it because it's coming with me, which means your hands might come with me because you're holding on to it that time. So he says, listen, he says, I need you to surrender it. The quicker you surrender, the easier the surgery. Now, the problem with us is we love to hold on to stuff, don't we, Father? We love to hold on to it like, I ain't leaving it till the day I die. And so you hold on to it and you grip it so tight. And God says, no, 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 no. I need your hand in full surrender. Because they should be up anyway thanking me for the ability that you can even have this conversation with me when I could zap you and you be done. But I'm having a conversation with you because I want you to love me from your heart. So just worship me, he says. The last reason why, one of the five purposes, is the last one is uh, God wants to, uh, trials help us. No, this is number four. Trials help us. No, go back to four. Trials help us to conform to his image. In other words, you don't look like Jesus. Ain't nobody at your job know you know Jesus. So he says, something wrong with that. So I need you to look like me. You don't respond the way they respond. You respond differently because you're a child of God. So you don't, you're not being conformed to my image. I want that. So now I might have to let you go through the valley so you can see that I'm really the only one that loves you unconditionally no matter what. Therefore, I will allow you to go through stuff so you can look like me. And then the last one is, I want you to serve me. Number five says, I'm going to allow the trial because I want the trial to equip us to serve him. There are the five reasons. The enemy is going to say, well, why God want us? God, here's what the enemy, he's so selfish. You got more important priorities to do. Don't let God fool you. Just do you. You have to serve. Don't serve in no church. Come on, man. Do you. You got important things to do. So he, the enemy's job, is to tempt you and convince you that you don't need God. God's saying, I want to mature you so you look like me. Every time you face a trial, one of these five purposes is in the bullseye. The question is, which one is it for you? That's the question you got to wrestle with. Which one of these five is he trying to get your attention with? And you must figure it out and then say, okay, God, you don't have to do no more work. I'm surrendering it over to you. Here you go. You can do what you want done. Because if you don't, then valley life is coming to a house near you. Which means you're going to go through the you're going to go through the darkness. The dark room is coming. The surgery is coming. The cutting is coming. The, 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 you're, going to go, you're going to go into deep sleep so he can cut you open, so he can remove something that have no business being there. When you're in the trial, when you're in a transition, you must not run away from it. You must go through the lane. You notice what the Bible says? Watch this now. The Bible says, even though, Psalm 23, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Everybody, everybody talk about that verse, but they don't link it to the verse before. The verse before says, I'm going to lead you in the paths of righteousness. What does righteousness have to do with a valley? Everything. You don't become righteous unless you go through the valley. You better go through. Everybody want righteousness. Nobody want valley. The only way to get to look like God is if you go through the valley. If Jesus himself had to hang on a cross to get to 
forgive your sins so you can hang out with the Father. Why you think you get to skip this class? This is not exempt for you. You go through this class too. All of us have to. Which is why you get ready and don't put your fist up at God. How could a good God do this to me? It is a good God that would allow it. Because he knows what he wants you to look like. Let's continue. Now, after the five purposes, now there are three categories. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. This blew my mind. There are three categories that we all have to go through. Every test come in one of these categories. So you should ask God two questions when you're going through the exam room. Question number one, God, what purpose are you out for in my life? Number two, what category does this trial qualify on the three categories? Don't you forget them. They're all in your notes. Here we go. Uh, uh, category number one is the diagnostic test. The diagnostic test says God is, des is designed to reveal our spiritual health. God wants to know a little bit about you. So he says, what's going on in your heart? The perfect illustration is, is the children of Israel. Don't miss this. The children of Israel. Children of Israel, God said, I'm a good God to you. I'm going to take you from Egypt and I'm going to take you to the promised land. Don't miss this. He says, I'm going to show you how good I am because Pharaoh and his army is going to come after you and I'm going to protect you. All two million of you, I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to open up the sea that's never been opened up before. And I'm going to put a wall so you can walk by on dry land, see the wall, see fish all over like, an, like it's an aquarium. You're going to see them. And the kids, you remember when the kids used to play with them? And the kids going to poke the water and their hand going to go through, but the water not going to come out. That's your God that did that. This fish goes, oh my God, they go shark. I'm like, oh my God. And they're going to lose their mind walking on dry land. And he's going to march you through. And what should have taken you a couple weeks is going to take you 40 years. And the reason it took you that long is because you forgot the God who walked you on dry land. No, 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 no. Be careful because some of you now are going to say, what is wrong with those children of Israel? They're stiff-necked. They're stubborn. Oh, you are too. You are too. That diagnostic test says, I showed you who I am. I revealed to you how great I am. And yet still, when I check and give you the test, you come up failing because you have forgotten how good I was. Flip it over. Flip, it, flip your notes over. Let me show you the 10 tests they went through. Flip it over. Look at these 10. Watch this. The children, the reason they didn't get to go all the way to the promised land is because of this. Number one, they lacked faith before crossing the Jordan. Number two, they were complaining over bitter water and manna. Number three, they were complaining in the, in, in, in the desert of sin. They were collecting more manna than they were supposed to. They were attempting to collect manna on the Sabbath. They were complaining over the lack of water. They were engaged in idolatry of the golden staff. They were complaining of, of adversity. They were complaining over the lack of food. They failed to trust God and enter the promise. Now listen to me. Before you complain, before you say, what's up with these people? The job you're complaining about? Do you know who gave you that job? The same God that delivered them from Egypt is the same God that gave you the job you got. And, and, and so before you start, what's wrong with them? Then why are you complaining on your job? Well, then why 
Is it now the job that he gave you has now become your idol because you're working it so much you don't have time for God? The, the same sins that they did, we do. All it is is we stuck on repeat. We stuck on stupid. The same God that delivered you from all your mess is the same God that you now complaining to him talking about, why is it that I got to deal with this mess every day? At least you got the job. Why I can't stand my supervisor? Well, he sent you there on assignment so they can see what God looks like so they can come to know Jesus and change their attitude. But when you have the same attitude they got, You still complaining instead of being grateful for the God that set you free and gave you what you have today. All I'm trying to suggest to you is before you start complaining about them, realize that you're failing the test. Because instead of completing your assignment, instead of asking God, God, is my assignment here done? Instead, you're asking, God, can you get me out of here? God, give me more money. And God, I just can't stand it no more. you like Popeye. I just can't stand it no more. And God is like, I am the one who gave you the education to put you in the position to have the job that you have so you can complain, so you can, so you can fuss, so you can gossip, so you can worship something else, so you can worship yourself and the glorification of yourself because you think you're so good now, you shouldn't be in the presence of these little peons. Don't pretend as if you don't think like that. As if you're not worthy to be here. You're somehow better than them. When God gave you an assignment and you have not been faithful to the assignment that he gave you to do. Walking around. Murmuring, mumbling, complaining, gossiping. Instead of realizing he'll set you free after you finish your assignment. Until you're and, and by the way, don't be complaining that, well, it's just not fun anymore. It was never about fun. Yeah. I just can't. I see all my friends. That's your problem. You're comparing yourself to all your friends. Compare yourself to the assignment he gave you. That's a word for somebody right here. Because you're looking around. That's your problem. Get off of social media. Just, 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 do, a, just do a fast from social media for a month. You'll die, wouldn't you? Okay. <laughs> I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what they're saying. I wonder who's up. I wonder what I'm missing. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Do your own, march to your own drumbeat and finish the assignment God's given you and quit looking at everybody else's assignment. Anyways, I got two more. Come on, that's just one. Number two, number two, number two, number two. Second one is educational test. First one is diagnostic. Second one is educational. This is God's design to know What's in your heart? Educational test is where God takes you on the journey. Um, 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 um. This is where he's trying to teach you a major principle on the journey of life. So, so, so this is like the boys, uh, disciples that is, on the Sea of Galilee. 
Jesus says, hey, man, let's push out. Let's go, over. let's go over to the other side. Jesus told you we're going to the other side. If Jesus gave you his word, believe him. We're going to the other I don't care what happened. We're going to the other side. I don't care how much rain falling. We're going to the other side. I don't care how much storm's coming. We go. I don't care if the boat looked like it's going to tip over. Jesus said we're going to the other side. Whether we're going to swim there or whether we're going to make it there in the boat, I don't know. But we surely ain't dying. Because he said we're going to the other side. Ah, them disciples. Um, Jesus, what you doing sleeping, bro? Don't you? Look, look around. Hey, we're trying to hold the boat together. What you doing? Just be like, oh, we have little faith. Don't you see what I'm trying to I'm trying to teach you faith. I'm trying to teach you to trust me because I'm not going to always be here. I'm going to leave, and you're going to have to be the ones that are my representatives. To show the world that you believe that there was a Jesus, he died, he raised from the dead, and he's living and seated at the right-hand side of the Father. You're going to have to tell them that. I'm trying to teach you along the way to prepare you for where you're going. What's he trying to teach them in this educational test? I need you to trust me. I need you to trust that I have power over the elements, the wind, the waves, the rain. I declare when it happens. It don't just happen. I declare when it happens. Jesus says, I want you to trust that. I need you to know that when in the future something happens and you need it to rain, it's going to rain. I need you to know that when you trust me, things move. But I got to take you on a journey for that. Because, hey, Joseph, come here, Joseph. When you get to number two in charge, you're going to need to have some faith in me. But I can't teach you that when you're number two. I got to teach you that when you're a nobody. So you can, you can work up your faith muscles. So when the king comes and demands something, you can speak over the king's life, knowing that you don't really follow him. You follow God, and God's put you under him. So you're going to serve him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, he's walking you through some faith tests right now. And instead of, instead of realizing what he's doing, you're complaining. You're putting your fists up at God. How could you? And then the third one. Come here. Mm-hmm. Third one is the certification. I love this one, the certification test. You know, when you go get your driver's license, you have to, take, you have to study for the test. Then you got to practice so many hours so that when you go, you can do the parallel park. You can do all that stuff, right? You can do it because you already know it. You already know it. So, therefore, it's just working out what you already know intellectually. Now, many of you come to church. That ain't nothing. I know you know it. The question is, when the pastor cuts you off in a parking lot, <laughs> can you apply what you know? Can you apply it right there? When he cuts you off, uh, can you apply what you say you know? The problem with too many of us is you're hearing too much truth and you're not applying it. So you hear, you hear truth on Sunday morning, then you go listen to a podcast on Sunday evening, then you have your favorite person on Monday and your favorite person on Tuesday, and so you listen to all this word. But you have word, but when God says, okay, it's testing time, you're failing the test. You must come to the conclusion that you don't need no more word for now. You need more application than you need word. 
Let me show you the person in this text. Hey, Job, come here, Job. Job, I know you, Job. You're my road boy. I know you. Job, I know that you worship me because of who I am, not because of the stuff you got. But Satan, Job, this knucklehead called Satan, he, he messing around again. He said, he, he say, you can't worship me if you don't have the stuff. So I have certified that you're going to worship me. So go ahead. I'm going to allow the enemy to take some stuff away. So then the enemy said, woo-hoo-hoo. So then he started taking stuff away. He started taking chariots and he started taking stuff. Now, now by the way, this couldn't work in Collin County. Y'all know that, right? In, in, in Collin County, you'd be like, okay, hold on, God. No, no, no. No. He can take one car, but I have to tell him which car he can take. <laughs> you know I'm telling the truth. Um, God, um, no, he can't take all. He can take one house. He can't take my real house, but I got another one. He can take that one. You see how you selected with what God can take? God, you, can, you, you can't take my kid. Well, there's one kid you can take. I got four, but this one over here. This. God, you can take, God, you can take this kid over. This one right here. Yeah. I, I, I was wondering if he was mine anyway. You can take this one over here, God. You know you be down to God that mouth. You can't take that. That one a good kid. That one a good kid. <laughs> this one a good kid. Number three, a good number four. Thank, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, that's not what the devil did, though. The devil says, I'm gonna take everything from him. And here's Job's conclusion. You can take it all. I'm still gonna praise his holy name. Now, I wonder if there's anybody from Collin County, Denton County, Dallas County, from these burbs in America, these burbs, that, you, that God can have that kind of confidence in you, where you won't put your hand up at God and say, how dare you, God? But instead, realizing that you're nothing but a steward, and that everything you have, everything you have, is on loan from God. And God, since I'm not holding them, since my identity is not in them, since I don't live for them and my hands are wide open, you have blessed me with them and you can take them anytime you want. I'm still going to praise your name. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what the exam room is all about. Are you a steward or are you an owner? Did you allow the things you have to so define you that your identity is wrapped up in the blessings that God has given you. Because that's our issue, isn't it? That's why we get mad at God, isn't it? We get mad at God because we think, God, are you kidding me? This is mine. Is it? Is it really? So no, you, the devil can work with your heart easy because you have wrapped up your heart around the things that you love so much and you love them so much, you have made them God and now you're worshiping them instead of seeing them as gifts on loan from God. No wonder you get mad and want to leave when you don't like the outcome of a situation because you want to be in sovereign control of it. We all right so far, fam? Yeah. 
All right, good. Now, turn the page over. Let's see if we can land this plane. Come on. Let's go. Um, that, that's very theological. Let's get a little more practical now. And here's what we're talking about now. We're talking about the idea of why is it that we don't get to the next thing that God's called? This is so huge and important. Please don't miss it. Why is it that we don't get to the next thing that God wants for us? Number one reason is this wall right here called the money wall. Everybody say the money wall. Come on, that's not everybody. Everybody, all campuses, say it with me. Money wall. Money wall. Money wall. All right. Now, the problem with the money wall is most people can't get out of the current season because you didn't plan well financially. And because you didn't plan well, you're living at, your, at, the, at the peak of your income in all areas. So therefore, there's no margin. So therefore, if you leave the current job and you don't have insurance and you don't have insurance for the keys and you don't have no money coming in, then you can't do it. Now you walk around as a beggar, begging people to keep you afloat. So you can't leave your current situation. So even if God wants to move you to another season, you can't leave because you didn't plan well. Because you don't have anything called delayed gratification. So many of you right now, you're living in the burbs, and you're living, but, but you're really about two or three months away from losing it all. That's because you didn't plan well enough to know, I cannot live at the end. I have to have some margins. What does that mean? That means you shouldn't be living off of two incomes. You should be living off of one. But you don't want to do that because you want to compare yourself with everybody else and show them all the kind of bling, 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 bling you got. And so because you do that, no, you can't live. So now every time something happens, you, you're holding your breath. <sighs> Are we going to make it? Now you don't want a recession to come because if you don't have your job, you can't pay for the house that you got when you shouldn't have got the house because you really can't afford it because you need two incomes to afford it. Preach, Pastor. Ain't nobody wanna ain't nobody wanna run on that, huh? Run, somebody run. <laughs> Take off. <laughs> no, listen, listen, listen why this is so important. It really, really is. Because now, if I ask you to downsize, get out of the fancy house, give it up, uh, and then go live in an apartment, you're gonna say to me, How what kind of preacher is this? Now, if it happened next year, June, because of the recession, now you're going to be like, I have to give it up. Now folks are going to look like, what happened? Ooh, they did something. They're losing their house. All because you didn't want to initiate the pain. So you're going to wait on somebody else. By the way, this is not a theological thought, but I'm going to help you anyways. There are only two times in life that you can beg. Actually, there are two times in life that a man can beg. Every other time, they're going to look at you and say, if a man don't work, he don't eat. But there are two times when it's legit, you should beg. But most, some of you missed it already. Two times. You, this is not a theological discussion. This is just practical. Two times. Number one is when you get married, you can beg. See, you missed it. <laughs> hear he, hear he. When you get married, you get to beg. As a man, you get to beg. Let me show you how it goes. Tell them, don't give you no toaster. Ain't nobody need no toaster for your wedding. Tell them, I don't need no can opener. 
keep your little can open. Ain't nobody need it. It don't cost that much. Here's why. When you get married, you can beg. And you can say, you know what? In lieu of gifts, give me money. You see, you're crazy. You see, you don't get it. You don't get it. It takes a Jamaican to tell you this. This is not theological. This is practical. Now, if they won't give you a toaster that costs $35, they're not going to give you a $35 check because they're going to feel bad. So they're going to give you a $100 check. <clears throat> I'm trying to help you. No, if you're married already, it's done. You don't talk about, well, we want to do a reunion. Uh, we want to get remarried. No. They ain't giving you it for that. You got your toast already. Now, listen. Listen, listen, listen. For real, this ain't no joke. Do you know? I can't believe I'm telling you all this. Jada, Jada might be mad on this one. But do you know, do you know that we made $60,000 on my wedding? Made sounds bad. They gave, they, they, kept, they kept their toasters and gave me checks. Praise the Lord, somebody. You know, stop, 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 stop. You know what my down payment was for my house when I bought it a long time ago? $60,000. Praise the Lord. You know why? Because there's only two times you can beg. You must learn the art of begging the two times that you get to do it. So ladies, quit all the, well, I want this fancy hanger that can hang up 18 pairs of stuff at the same time. Keep that. Get the, get the money. Give me the money. <clears throat> well, I want this microwave. Forget the microwave. Get the money. Well, I want a nice Dyson vacuum. Forget the vacuum. In lieu of the vacuum, $600, please. Anyways, I need to move on. I need to move on. I hope somebody got it. Number two time you can beg. Don't ever forget this. Second time you can beg. This is not theological. This is, there's no Bible verse. There's no apocryphal passage to look up or no Genesis chapter 8. <clears throat> Number two, when you're graduating from something, you can beg. You can beg. When you're graduating, oh, man, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, um, what we're doing is in lieu of gifts. <laughs> I know somebody. This is the only thing you're going to remember about this whole sermon. Ooh. I know what I'm going to do for my son. We're going to get a house, house, house. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> for real, though, when you graduate from some, go get you another associate. <laughs> go get you another degree. By the way, don't borrow to get it because then that defeats the purpose, okay? But go get you. And then say, hey, for my graduation, here's, and send invitations out to everybody. And a little giving envelope. I just helped somebody. I know I did. Let's get back to theology now. Here we go. Number two, number two, number two, number two, number two. Hey, for real. You make my time. I lost five minutes talking to y'all about that. Get back here. Let's go. Um, let's. <laughs> number two. You need to let go of your past hurt, your past mistakes, and what others say. If you're going to go to what's next, you got to deal with the money wall, create margin. Number two, you got to let go of your past hurts, your past mistakes, and what other people say. Ladies and gentlemen, for far too long, you're walking around with somebody on your shoulder, and all you're doing is, you're not even listening to the word, you're listening to what they got to say. 
And God has sent me by today to tell you, let it go. Number two, let them go. If somebody wants out of your life, look at the person next to you. Tell them, let it go. Look at the person, look at the person on the other side. Say, let them go. Look at yourself and say, self, let them all go. That was freeing. Come on, give God a round of applause for the liberation. Here we go. Here we go. Number, number three. One of the challenges is I don't know what to do next. Okay, yeah, I don't like where I'm at, but I don't know what to do next. So how do I wrestle with this? What do I do here? Listen, fam, don't you forget this one either. <clears throat> there are two challenges that you face. Number one is you ought to know what your, voca your vocation is what you do to get money to do what God's called you to do. <clears throat> your vocation is what you do to get money. Your calling is what God's uniquely customized for you to do. Now listen, don't miss this. Listen. Your vocation is, hey, here's what I do. I'm accountant and I, you know, I do my stuff with accounting and I make money. But I'm doing that so that I can do this. No, for very few select people, their vocation is their calling. When you can do this, this is great. But not, most people don't get to do this. So you get to have your vacation and simultaneously your vacation funds your calling. Listen to me now. The danger and the, what, makes, what breaks my heart about most Christians is that they don't care about their calling. All they do is live for their vocation. And all you're doing is saying, good, here are my gifts, here are my abilities. I'm using this to make as much money as I can. And you watch everybody on social media and that's all they care about. So that's all you care about too. And you left the calling that God has left you here to do, undiscovered. Now listen, listen. All the single people and all the single ladies, listen to me. All the single ladies, listen to me. Listen. Mm -mm -mm. If a dude don't know his calling, you have nothing to help him with. If he knows his vocation, but not his calling, the reason you're dating him is because you're desperate. It has nothing to do with you theologically or spiritually. It is because you're desperate. And don't tell me God called you to help him discover his calling. <laughs> because he didn't. He created Adam, gave him a vocation and a calling. And then brought Eve to him. Therefore, therefore, stop being desperate and let God work on his calling before you run in there and mess it up. Because here's the truth, ladies. Ladies, 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 ladies. Listen, listen. <clears throat> because if I ever ask married people today to tell you how many of them got married and is still after 30 years trying to help their, hey, by the way, nobody laugh, nobody elbow, nobody raise their hand, nobody wave in agreement. Look at me. Okay. <clears throat> Don't move. Don't laugh. 
Because then somebody beside you going, no, you're the one, so don't laugh. <clears throat> if I could tell you how many wives today wished their husbands knew their calling so they could help them get that calling accomplished, you would be shocked. So don't run down the road with your desperation trying to find somebody talking about you're going to be the missionary that helped them get where they're going. God didn't call you to be a missionary. He called you to be a wife. So you wait until God opens the door. Can I get a witness, somebody? <clears throat> All right, come on. Last one now. We're going to land the plane on this one. Number four. <clears throat> this is huge. We're going to go back to Joseph. And, and everybody under the sound of my voice, listen to me, please, when we talk about the things that God's been trying to get Joseph to see. <clears throat> Number four is, most people don't want to go through the humiliation. They want exaltation. Most people, and God has to take you through humiliation to get to exaltation. Let me show you what this is going to look like. Everybody listen up. There are three things. It's all in your notes that he wants to get you. Number one, he wants you to do with self-pity. Number two, he wants you to deal with self-righteousness. And number three, he wants you to deal with the ability that you want to, to be in control and handle your own business and manipulate folk. So he has to deal with all three. Say them with me, please. Self, self, and the need to. That's not everybody. Everybody shout it out. You must deal with this. Self, self, and the need to. He has to deal with all of them in your life. He dealt with them with Joseph. Come here, let me show you. He dealt with them with Joseph. You and I do this. Pick up the passage now. Let me show everybody what he does. Watch what Joseph did. He's in the dungeon. Watch what he does. Only keep me in mind. He's talking to the guy that he just helped interpret the dream. When it goes well with you. And please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. What's he trying to do? Hey, man, listen. Well, I'm going to help you, but then you got to help me. Joseph, he helped you out of the pit. Joseph, he helped you out of the part of the situation. Why do you think he need your help to get you out of this? Do you see what I'm saying? We want to manipulate and tell God, let me help you since you're working so slow. Let me help you. Watch, next verse. Watch it. For I was, in fact, Kidnapped from the land of the Hebrew. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ain't nobody need to know this. Keep it to yourself. Don't be braggadocious. Hey, you know what? Really? I ain't supposed to be here. I mean, I'm really, I got, I got this multicolored coat. It's awesome. I'm going to run the world. Nobody needs to know all that. Nobody needs to know your little side story. Let God deliver you in his time. God has a plan. Let him deliver you. You won't see why I mean. Let him deliver you. It continues. Watch it. And even here, I have done nothing. Woe is me. That they should have put me into the dungeon. Do you see what he's doing? You do the same thing. I do the same thing. Hey, you know what? Really, man, I ain't supposed to be at this job. I'm just doing this a little bit just because I got to. But really, I'm four levels up. I'm just staying here for now, really. But, but my skill sets, man, if you know my skill set, my skill sets are so bad. They're just incredible. I'm just trying to, you know, buy time. But, but I mean, I'm going to be in the sea suite in a minute. You just wait. You're going to see. Uh, you, you're going to hear about me. You're going to read about me one day. J just keep chilling. You're going to see. Well, hey, hey, 
Be present where you are. You're not better than the people around you. Be fully present. Enjoy the assignment God has given you. Right where you are. Quit trying to tell people you better than where you are. They're looking down at you and laughing at you. Because they're saying, if you were better, you wouldn't be here. So enjoy where you are. God's putting you on assignment. Enjoy the assignment. Next verse. Last verse and then we're done. Last verse. What Jesus says. Is there another one after that? Yeah, here we go. No, forget that one. Um, now watch the three things and the three mistakes that all of us made and then fill in your notes and then we're done. You're going to ha- write a word in there. Number one. Ooh, please, Jesus, help us. Joseph overstated. Somebody say overstated. The satisfaction he would find if he got his own way. In other words, Joseph thought, if I get my own way, ooh, it's going to be nice. I'm going to be out. And he has no idea what God has in store for him. None. And he is going to miss out on the ultimate by choosing something much lower. You and I do the same thing. I got to get me out of here. I got to move quicker than I need to. I got to go. Why? Because when I get out of here, I'm going to be so much more happy. You're not. Because you're going to do it your way, not God's way. And the, the thing you think you want, it's not what you want. I can tell you stories about this. Next one, number two. He, oof, he underestimated the power of the Holy Spirit who was responsible for the gift. So he overestimated the satisfaction he thought he was going to have. Then he underestimated the fact that God has given him a gift. And the power of the Holy Spirit is on his life. And when you let God do his thing in his time, it will be explosive. If you abort that plan and do it in your time, it will be average. Therefore, let the Spirit do what the Spirit does. Last one. Last one and then we're going home on this. We're going home on this. He underestimated something else. He underestimated the security God had in mind for him. Dude, quit trying to manipulate this thing. God says, I love you. I got you. I'm protecting you. Nobody can give you better protection than I can. Then let him do it. Don't try to fast forward God's mission. He, his time is not like your time. He's got a plan and it's perfect and your job is to wait until the fullness of time he will give you what you desire everybody wants to be number two in the kingdom nobody wants the process and God's saying listen if I don't go through the process please then when you get to be number two the process is going to be public and everybody's going to see it will you allow me to do it privately so nobody sees it Y'all all right out there? For real. If you don't, let him do it. The question is not if it's going to get done. Oh, it's going to get done. The question is, is it going to be private or public? The question is, is it going to be when you're in your calling fully? Or is it going to be before that when nobody knows your name? If I were you, I'd choose the f- former, not the latter. Father, will you help this body of believers? Whether we're in Garland, whether we're in Louisville, whether we're in Prosper, whether we're in Plano, whether 
wherever we are, global community, will you help us when we're in the exam room to realize that you're up to something great? You're not trying to hurt us. You're actually trying to help us. Will you teach us how to do that, please, God? We pray in your son's name. Amen. I don't want anybody to move. If you're here and you're in the waiting room, you know you are. You're going through the surgery right now. Will you stand? I want to pray for you. Anybody in the house? If you know, God, you're talking directly to me like ain't nobody else here today. Then I want you to stand. <clears throat> and I want to pray for you. And I want to ask God to be with you right where you are. If somebody's standing near you, will you just put your arm on their shoulder right here? Just, just, I just want the body. I want them to feel the presence of the body praying for them. Wherever you are, just, 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 just right here on their shoulder, just real gently. Don't hold it. Don't squeeze it. Just, just, just right here. Just right, that's it. Open arm. Open. Just put it right there. And let's pray for, let's pray for each other today because it's, it's no fun being in the exam room. It's necessary, but it's not fun. And so let's pray for each other. Go ahead, you start. I'll give you, I'll give you about 10 seconds, then I'll close this out. Just right where you are, pray quietly if you want, out loud if you want, then I'll close this off. You got about 10 seconds. Come on. Let the family encourage the family today. If you're online, all I want you to do right there is just put it in the chat, and one of our team members will pray for you right where you are as well. <clears throat> but come on, let's, let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you for what you have already done. Thank you for highlighting the truth of your word. Now, God, will you help all of us, every person under the sound of my voice? Will you remind us that you're a good, good father? You're not trying to hurt us. You're not trying to destroy us. You're simply trying to heal us. Help us to, to defeat the lie of the enemy that you're trying to hurt us. You're trying to heal us and allow us to receive that healing. Help us to be still, knowing that you make us lie down in green pastures. In light of that, it means you're gracious even in your cutting. You're gracious to us. So we're grateful for that. And then, God, you are the great physician. So you don't make mistakes. You have a perfect track record. So as you go to do these surgeries on each one of us today, this week, this year, into the new year, will you remind us that you are the God who is omniscient, you know all, you're all powerful, and because you are, you're there to heal us, to help us, and to prepare us for the next season that you're taking us to. God, I pray that we will enjoy the journey even though it's painful because we know that you, even though you allow it, even though the enemy might have meant it for evil, you're going to turn it around for our good. That is good news in the midst of our pain. So we celebrate the greatness of our God. And even though it's difficult, we're going to praise you until you come through for us in the end. In Jesus' name we pray. And every saint celebrated the goodness of our God and said amen, amen. and amen, and amen, and amen. Woo! Woo! I don't want you to leave yet. Stay right where you are. You may be seated. Listen. Um, we just opened up the tickets for our Christmas Eve services. So stay right where you are. We're not done yet. We just opened up the tickets. And so you can go now and get your tickets online. Go to the Christmas Eve banner. They're all free, right? Click that banner and you can reserve it for you and your family right now. It's important because we're not going to, we're trying not to do overflow. We're trying to have every service just the right amount. So if you bring in a guest, you go and do that. And then because you have a pastor that's Jamaican, we have in church on Christmas Day. In the name of Jesus. 
we're having a 10 o'clock service, one service. It's different from the candlelight services. So it's one service on Christmas Day. We're doing the same thing New Year's Eve. Next week, you'll hear who we're getting for students and kids. Uh, for New Year's Eve, it's going to be great. Uh, and then we're having one service, no, two services on New Year's Eve. Now, if you want somebody to pray for you, don't just leave. Our prayer team is here. Please make sure you come up and you get prayer as we go. If you want to join our church, and we have a class today, one online and one in person, just go on our website and fill that out as well. We'll love you. We'll appreciate you. As you go through your examination room this week, as somebody else goes through it and you walk them through it, I pray that you'll be gracious just as God has been gracious to you. We love you. Have a great week. Represent your king well. See you.